Jesus. Father, we thank you, Father, for vessels of honor that you give us, Father. We thank you, Father, for voices that echo your heartbeat. So tonight, Father, as Tammy opens her mouth, may she echo your voice. May we lean close, Father, to hear the words that you're speaking. May our hearts be open and our ears, Father, be ready to receive and to listen deep, Father, with our spirits of what you're saying tonight. Father, may we lean forward and take in the sweet fragrance of who you are as she speaks tonight. Father, cover her surround her and just continue to bless and anoint her life father cover her family as well father in jesus mighty name amen amen thank you thank you thank you i have to tell y'all i feel odd without holding a microphone so you know how the lord likes to stretch you in strange ways if i do this on occasions because i'm being stretched in strange ways Good evening. How is everybody? I want to thank Barbie for the opportunity to share. And um, I also want to thank Mike Preby and the gang. It's interesting that you would do the songs that you chose, especially the last song that you chose. We used to sing that in my church a lot, as you will hear when I get into my testimony. So I didn't know they were going to... I sort of remember Sunday you going through that song, but I didn't realize that you were actually going to share that song tonight. So I just, I just had to chuckle at the Lord because I'm like, he's just so faithful. Is he not faithful? Does he not do great, exceeding, and mighty things? Is he not the God of surprises? I don't know about y'all, but I have been saved since I was six years old, as you'll hear in a minute, and he never ceases to amaze me. He never ceases to surprise me. And more than anything, he is so faithful. And his grace is so overwhelming that it's very humbling when you start to walk out your testimony because you see the areas in your life that were such mercy and such grace and so covered by the cross that you are extremely humbled. So even if you're not speaking up here and it's been a while, take some time and write down your testimony and remind yourself what God did. Because you'll find that it doesn't just point you back to your past and all of the garbage, but you'll actually find it shows God's hand on your life for your future. And it shows how much he took care of you through everything to get you to where you are today. Amen? Um, Psalm 91, 1 and 2, you don't have to necessarily turn there. I'm going to read it out of um, a translation called the Passion Translation, which is basically... Hebrew, and this gentleman took it, and he made it poetic. And it's absolutely beautiful because, um, to me, the verses I'm about to read you are my heart. Whoever lives within the secret shadow of Shaddai, hidden in the strength of God Most High, will always be kept safe and feel secure. Here's how I describe him. He's the hope that holds me, and the stronghold to shelter me, and the only God for me, and my great confidence. Here's how I describe him. He's the hope that holds me, the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me, and my great confidence. And if you skip down to verse 11, it says, God will send his angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. The King James Version says, he will keep you. Do you believe that? I know it. 
I have felt kept and held by the Lord my whole entire life. And for some context, I want to share a little bit of how I grew up and what I grew up underneath. My parents were not churched folks. Um, My grandparents were not church folks. My mom was a Lutheran. My dad was a Presbyterian, which basically kind of meant to them on a wedding, they would go to church, maybe Christmas. I don't even know if they went that many Christmases. So when I was born, um, about, about a year or so, when I was about one year old or so, my father had, I don't know what you want to call it, an encounter, a vision, a dream. He was sound asleep, and he saw the devil grab his feet and try to pull him to hell. And in that moment, he couldn't breathe, and he didn't know what to do, and the only thing he knew what to do was raise his hands up in the air and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And it was in that moment he woke up, and in that moment, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, mind you, my father did not know what this was. He did not grow, grow uh, up around any of this. And so for the next three years, my mom went from a husband that didn't really have much to do with the Lord to a guy that had to be at every Sunday service there was. As a matter of fact, he drug her to a Lutheran. His first Bible study was a Lutheran Bible study on Revelations. I mean, he had absolutely no idea. All he knew is something happened to him. Jesus saved him, and he was real. Three years later, my mom gets saved, and she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And as the couple is describing to my mom what happened to her, he starts hysterically laughing. Because it dawns on him, that's what happened to him. He thought it was like some burning bush Moses thing, like he had this communication with God that nobody else had. He had no idea there was a thing, and it was Jesus, and everybody was supposed to have this thing, and everybody was supposed to be excited about the Lord. Not but three years from that, my parents sold everything that they had, And they went on the road full-time into ministry. They had been leading worship at a church. Um, There's a really cool story to that, but I don't have a whole lot of time to get into that. But So I grew up in an environment where my father is radically saved. And he's ready for everybody else to be radically saved. And he is on fire for the Lord. And he is passionate about worship. And he is passionate about song. And at six years old, I had a really bad earache. And I was laying on the floor of our house... We were getting ready to sell our house, by the way. But I'm laying on the floor of our house, and my mom starts telling me about Jesus. And she starts telling me how much he loves me. And she starts telling me how much he's done for her and what he's done for my dad. And so I asked her if I could have Jesus too. And so she prayed the prayer of salvation with me at six years old. And as soon as that happened, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I laughed because I thought it was baby talk. I didn't know what I was doing. But my earache also instantaneously went away. So at six years old, I knew two things. God was real, and he healed my ear. And I would tell people, God can heal your ear, because that's my understanding. So at six years old, my parents, like I said, sold everything they had, and we went on the road. And it was so funny, because when I started writing this out, (laughs) I had to laugh. Because for the next five years, which are basically, you know, you have memories when you're three or four years old of things, maybe. But actually, when you're about five or six on, your memories are pretty good, right, for what you remember. So my growing up and my big memories of church and the Lord were around traveling on the road. 
And we had a band that traveled with us. We didn't have money for the whole buses and all of that, but we had travel trailers. And we had a 37-piece team. And the band and musicians brought their wives and their kids on the road. And that's how I grew up. And it was funny, I started to laugh because I went, this was in the 70s, mind you. And I started to laugh because the, the band... Being around them, they were either saved out of amazing, you know, radical things or just had such a passion for God. And everybody wrote, right? And I mean, I thought everybody did. I didn't realize only some people wrote songs because I was growing up around everybody that wrote songs. And they taught me my first chords on the piano and, and our whole world was worship. That's just what we did all the time. And I had to laugh because I went, that's why I understand Pastor Wayne so well. I think that's why. <laughs> I grew up around these musicians in the 70s. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. I'm just teasing. But still, I did laugh at that. I did. So the next five years, we saw amazing things. And what was interesting is they billed my parents as evangelists. But they weren't evangelists like Billy Graham. I don't think they knew what to call them because they had more of a family call and more of a generational call on their ministry. And the churches that we ended up being invited to were ones that were hurting, ones that were either going through splits or ones that didn't have a children's ministry or didn't have a youth ministry or they were just kind of up and coming or some country churches, which by the way, these country churches are amazing. I've never been to your mama's, but I can about imagine from how I grew up, talk about worship, they know how to worship and they don't care how long it goes. (laughs) They love it. Um, but anyway, so we would go in and we would actually be what they needed. So we had a puppet ministry. So we worked with kids. We did a lot with youth groups. We would sing in roller skating rinks and bowling alleys. As a matter of fact, kind of on a funny note, our musicians bowled all day long for free. And then that night when they had to play, their muscles and their arms were like jello. They could not play at all. It was the longest two-hour set, I think, of their life. They learned a lesson then. But anyway, and then at night, we would hold revival services. And that's when everybody came. And what was kind of interesting about that, just on a note, is they, um, they really didn't have a lot of nursery stuff. So all the kids at nights were always all there. And I, we were all, always, all in and around that. And when I was about nine years old, we had gone to a youth camp called I'm Alone Bible Camp. And um, so many of the kids got saved, they all wanted to be baptized. It was the last night, I believe, of the service, and everybody was all excited, and all these kids were like on fire, and they wanted to be baptized. Well, this was located in Wisconsin in the fall, and it is not warm in Wisconsin in the fall at night, but there was a river there, and they were all determined. So my dad said, who wants to be baptized? Well, I wanted to be baptized. I'm like, yes, this will be amazing. Well, we all go down to the, we all get our suits, and we all go down to the water until we felt the water. The water, on the other hand, was really cold. And my dad went, walked in there and he said, we're all going to lay hands on this water. We're going to pray over this water. And we're just going to ask God to warm it up. And we did. And you know something? That water was like bath water. I will never forget it. And those kids got baptized and I got baptized. We had tears. We had so many kids. We had to help back to their uh, cabins where they were sleeping. They couldn't even walk. The Holy Ghost just hit these kids. And I share that because I want to give you some context of what 
what I was around and what I grew up in. Because like I said, when you, when you are saved, I didn't have the experience of I was saved and then I backslid for 20 you know, years or 10 years or whatever and then saved again. I grew up in it. But how many know, sometimes the longer you're saved, the more familiar you are, you think, with who the Lord is or how he operates. And it was interesting, my dad decided that we were going to get off the road, much to um, uh, uh, us kids, we actually took a vote. There's five of us in our family, and, and uh, at this point there was only four, but we took a vote in a pickle jar. It was so, so funny when I think about it, this big glass pickle jar and these four pieces of paper, because we voted whether we wanted to get off the road or not. And of course, all of us voted that we wanted to stay on the road. We didn't want to get off the road. And my dad read each vote, he laid it all out in front of him, and he started to explain if we didn't, we couldn't experience things like going to school with kids our age or, you know, growing up around. And the more that he talked, the more we're going, oh, that doesn't even sound fun. We'd rather be in bowling alleys and roller skating rinks. I mean, what kid wouldn't want to be involved in that? But obviously my dad had the final vote, so we did not get to stay on the road. And in pastoring several churches, there was one in particular um, that was very cool because it was a small work that started on Devil's Backbone Road in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that is where I met my husband. No lie. I met my husband on Devil's Backbone Road. The interesting thing about that was as the church grew, um, so did our youth group. And because my parents were very big on family and very big on youth, they wanted to take our youth and kind of expand where we were. And my mom had heard about a church in Louisiana that was having really amazing things happening with their youth. So we were going to raise money and take a road trip and go to this church in Louisiana. And this is what I would call my waterfall moment because this, this did change my whole walk with the Lord. When we got to this church, now mind you, I, I had been in a lot of churches in my life. Uh, but I had never seen anything like this Louisiana praise service stuff. And when we got there, the first night we were divided up and sent to different people's homes to stay overnight before we got up the next day and headed off to um, the youth camp. And the introvert in Tammy wanted absolutely no part of any of this at all. But when we went, these girls, before we all go to bed, break out their Bibles And they start talking about what the Lord told them. This is when I was 15. And like I said, I had been around tons of pastors, kids. I had been around tons of children that were in church. But I had never heard kids talk like this before. I had tears are coming down this one girl's eyes as she's saying how the Lord showed her this verse in Psalms. And it was just this amazing thing. And then one's like, oh my gosh, you got that verse too? I got that. And I'm sitting there going, I had never... I had never felt like that. The Bible was something you had to do, not something you got to do. But I saw the difference for the first time in these girls. They weren't talking about boys, and they weren't talking about drama, and they weren't all about all this other stuff. They, they really meant it when they were talking about Jesus. And when we got to the youth camp, by that night service, the praise band starts 
And these kids didn't sit in their chairs. They, they were up front. Not because they had to be, but because they actually really wanted to be. Some of them were on their knees crying. Some of them, you know, were, you guys have seen, you know, our, our youth are amazing and our youth worship is amazing. But not every church across the United States is like that, nor do they have worship like that. And I had never seen youth like this. And what amazed me is as I started to, to be around these kids for that whole week, they were so genuine and it was so real. See, I knew the difference. I knew religion and I knew the difference. And this was way, 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 way different. And it changed my whole walk with the Lord because I remember sitting in that chair and I said, God, I do not want to go back the same way. I do not want to be the same way. I don't want to read the Bible the same way. I was in a Christian school at that point, so we had to memorize chapters every month. And I thought, gosh, if I could fall in love with that God that this much, that would be a breeze as opposed to all this work involved in trying to memorize the word. And it was, it was so altering. I sat in that chair and I just, I just tears streamed down my face. And I'm like, I want everything that you have. And I remember, it was the first time I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, then go forward. Like, go dance with them up in the front. I didn't know, Really? Really? That was hard for me. Really? Okay, well then, what if everybody watches or what if everybody sees me? Do you want what you see? It doesn't matter what anybody sees or says or anything like that. So I did. I went up front and what was so funny was I get up to the front and there is my brother and my sister. They had already beat me to it up there. And all of us that had come, all of the youth that went that week were radically changed. We were not the same after that because the relationship that we had with God wasn't about him and being in and around it. It was literally in here. And much to my dad's surprise, we had asked my father, the youth was actually our praise and worship band. So when we got back Saturday night, we went to our dad. We had gotten all the chord charts for all these really cool songs we'd learned. And we're like, hey, dad, can we sing these on Sunday instead? And my dad's like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, that's fine. You know, he had no idea what that meant. Because we literally went from, this is the day, you know that song? This is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made. We went from that one Sunday to next Sunday. Look off down the road, they're stirring up the dust. As far as I can see, yes, I know, I know it must be King David. I mean, literally that big of a difference. And our youth came up, and people in our church came up. Well, revival, if, if you want to use that term, the Holy Ghost hit our church. That church was not the same. And I remember after church going, Dad, what did you think? And I just remember him going, that was, that was good. I mean, he didn't know what to say, you know, shock and awe. I mean, at the altar call, you know, it's funny at the end when you'd minister, instead of doing a very slow song that everybody moves in. No, we're like, you know, we need to dance and we need to worship this off of everybody. And I mean, we were just like excited and ready to go. And my dad being very wise helped hone that, but he didn't take it away. He helped hone the feelings and the emotions because how many know emotions aren't bad? They're not bad. We, we sometimes at church, we get into this thing. If we see something we've never really seen before, the first thing that we do is question it. 
But how many know if you're at a football game and you see somebody overly excited about something and they're making all kind of noise, you laugh and think it's cute. Look at that, that's so hilarious. I mean, nobody judges that person for what they do. So our church, like I said, was radically, radically changed in that moment. And for the next couple years, we had salvations and baptisms and our youth services would sometimes go for four hours and I remember people coming in saying so and so is bringing someone and they're not saved and I remember going yes because when they leave they're going to be saved and you know something they were saved we even had worship services at funerals and we had people saved in funerals I mean God was just at work but how many know a good enemy has very good strategies And the reason I needed what I, God just knows. He knows the timing of everything. Had that experience at that youth camp and my relationship with the Lord not changed, I seriously don't think I would be standing here today. I know I wouldn't be standing here today. Because what followed was a horrible, horrible church split. I mean, hell is not, it's a word I can actually use to describe how bad this was. And when you are that close to church people, and when you've sown into different churches and you were bringing restoration, you, 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 that was what your call was on your life, and you, you actually then at a young age come to the point where the people that were friends with you last Sunday are now sitting you down and the, and the pastor is saying, um, you can't sing anymore. You're not allowed. We're, we're, I'm sorry, but you can't. And... That ended up being five church splits. It was horrible. And I loved the Lord. I knew the Lord was real. But I really didn't like his people so much. And we were all pretty wounded. My parents almost got divorced over it. At one point, I didn't even know. I mean, it it causes you, when your world gets flipped upside down, it, it causes you to question everything about your life. I didn't know if I married the right person, married the wrong person. Uh, we had Kristen at that time, and I, I was really struggling, and uh, we had gone to a pastor who was a wonderful man, and I really wish we would have stayed there to heal. Um, and at one point, he just looked at Tim and I, and we hadn't said anything to each other even, but he said, you're questioning whether you're even with the right person or not. And that's a lie. You are. And God has plans for y'all. But we went from the frying pan into the fire, we ended up at a church in Texas that we thought we were going to heal in and go to Bible school. But we actually went there to learn about what man thinks too highly of himself. I should say, what happens when man thinks too highly of himself? And it was very much borderline um, occultish. And by the grace of God, we got out of there. And I remember when we were leaving on the way home, I took my Bible that I had had since I was little, and I threw it away. I didn't want it anymore because everything in there that I had underlined, now I wasn't even sure what was right or what wasn't wrong or what was right or what was wrong. I didn't know. And I was so confused. The only thing I held to was I knew God saved me. I knew he was real and I knew if I asked him, he would come and he would help and he would heal this. So for 10 years after that, we didn't go to church. We had home Bible studies and we were our own praise and worship team. But we, we, I, had no, I had no desire to get back into a body, join a body, be anywhere near that. 
because all that spelled for me was political things and hurt. And so we got into country music, and we thought we can still be God in, we'll bring God to the bars, you know? We'll do the Esther thing. We'll just go into a dark place, and we'll just shine his light. And, and we started doing country music, and when we did that, my brother, sister, and myself, um, we ended up moving to Nashville to pursue that dream and to pursue that. And you know, God is so protective. And here when I say this, because I do believe that God has called people to that world. I do. I believe it. But that's not what God had for us. And we, would, we, we, had, um, we were on um, 98. We had people come and hear us that could have done something with us. I could say names, but that's totally irrelevant. And every time we would go and have something happen, they would always say, you know, have you ever thought about doing contemporary Christian music? Have you ever thought about doing, because, I mean, your sound and everything about you says that. And every time we're like, oh, that's, yeah, huh? Yeah, I guess we'll have to think about that. <laughs> but God really kept us, and he really protected us, even from ourselves. Um, so the doors didn't open there, but by the grace of God. And a little while later, my dad had heard about Springhouse, Smyrna Assembly at the time, from the Better Business Bureau of all places. <laughs> and they had told him that it was a, it, they had told him it was an artistic church that loved plays, was how it was described. But they also liked worship. And at that point, some of my family was healing and, and kind of searching for a place. Tammy, on the other hand, was really not searching for a place. I was fine. I was totally fine. My husband, however, was searching for a place. And he would say, Tammy, the kids who are now teenagers have never been around what we were around. They've never been in the I'm Alone Bible camps. They've, they've never been around Louisiana. They've never seen other kids in a big, large group like that. They'd never been, they got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at home. Um, we were, I mean, they were around that, but they had never been with other kids their age. And um, I'm like, oh, that's, that's true. But I really struggled with it. And after my dad said, I really think that you ought to think about, he was living in Atlanta at the time, and he said, I really think you ought to think about going and checking out that church, which surprised me because my father said you should go check out a church, which was huge to me. That's how much God had been healing his heart. So my first experience coming here, my girls were with me, and Tim had to work, and I was all bummed, because I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to be by myself, and everybody's going to want to introduce themselves to me, and I really don't want to talk to anybody else, and if I could just go late, then I could sit in the back, and I wouldn't have to worry about it. I was going through all these scenarios in my mind, and um, the girls were like, no, whatever happens, mom, we're staying with you. If they come to try to get us, we're staying with you. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's a good plan, because I don't want to be by myself either. So I like this plan. This plan is going to work. We walk in the door. We were in the old sanctuary at the time. We walk in the door, and the first lady that meets us is Miss Margaret. And the first thing she says is, well, how old are you girls? Well, you need to go to the youth room and takes them. Like, I didn't even have a chance to say, oh, no, they would rather stay with me. She just took them to the youth room, and off they went. So I'm like, oh, darn it, now I'm by myself, and I'm in this place, and I'm by myself. And I walk in the back of the sanctuary, and there was a seat open by this older gentleman on the pew, and so I, I'm like, he looks safe, so I'm just going to sit here. And that person was Ray Peterson. And he was sitting down because he was tired. I don't know if 
where he was at with the cancer thing at that moment. But when that man sang in worship, I will never forget it because I bawled the whole entire worship service. It was so pure and it was so sweet. And I didn't know who he was. All I knew is he's real. And if he's real, maybe there are other folks in here that are real. And afterwards, I shook his hand and I said, you have an amazing, beautiful voice. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. And he was so sweet. He said, well, thank you. He said, but have you met my wife? He said, she's the one that dances. And he started telling me about how Claudia had a, a vision for dancing and what the Lord was doing. And, and I remember going home that night going, you know, maybe... Or actually, before I went home, wait, I got to get to this part, because I leave that and I go up to the youth room. Jeff Butterworth happened to be doing worship in the youth at that point. And when I get there to try to find my girls, I was looking in the chairs, and it was kind of dark in there, and I couldn't see them. And I'm like, well, I hope they didn't leave. I mean, where would they go? I was going to go to the bathroom until I realized my two daughters were in the front with their arms up in the air, singing at the top of their lungs. And I went, what am I doing? What am, I gonna, what am I doing? Am I literally going to let my hurt prevent my children from being around the Lord? I went home that night and I had told Tim and he said, okay, well, do you want to start going there? And at this point, I'm like, I don't know about that. But that Wednesday thing was really cool. And it was so sweet because I had been studying Joseph and I had been um, studying Moses And the word dreamer was very big to me. The Lord was using that in my own life. And I said, God, okay, on Sunday, I want you to give me a sign. And you tell me if I'm in the right place, if this is where we're supposed to go. And it has to be something that only I would know. And that Sunday, when we walked in on the bulletin, when they handed it to me, in great big black bold letters was dreamer. And Pastor Ronnie preached almost everything I had been studying. I I was dumbfounded because only God can do that. And you, you know, y'all, for the next, I don't know, five, four or five Sundays, I would come in and just cry. And I don't like crying in front of people. Oh, I hate that. But I couldn't help it. And every time the worship, I would even gear myself up. I would be like, okay, we're going to think happy thoughts. It's going to be a good Sunday. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Oh, they're doing fast songs. Yes, this is going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. And I would still bawl through everything. And the Holy Spirit, after about the fifth Sunday, said, Tammy, I'm healing your heart. And this is where it's so sweet to me. Because not only did God start to heal my heart, but he used the body to do it. I met the person that was doing the youth, and they were having a youth work day, and we wanted to come and help, so we started to get involved in that. And I met Anna and Ernie, who had been through some similar things, walking it out too, which was amazing, because I don't know if any of y'all know Anna, but she's like, we're going to go to dinner. Like, there was no question of like, do you want to go to dinner? It was, we're going to go to dinner. But God really used that conversation um, in our life. And Danny Gilbert, someone else that was here at the time, that is now in heaven with Jesus, um, the Lord really used him in our life tremendously. And, but the one piece, you know, little by little, God started using, that we were invited to be part of the youth um, team to help. We were, 
And we were like, oh, okay, cool. And, and I'm like, yes, because that's my heart, you know? I mean, I know what God did with me, and so I know he can do this with all these other kids. And so I, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But the one place that was still wounded in me was the singing part. Because I was told, you can't sing anymore here. And that really, that really had hurt me. And I remember the Lord saying, you need to join the choir. And I remember saying, I can't. I cannot do that. I know what that's like. That's no, that's no. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. And two weeks later, my dad calls me from Atlanta, where he still was, and he said, did the Lord tell you to join the choir? <laughs> and I said, yes, but dad, I can't do it. I honestly can't do it. And he said, yes, you can. Do, do it scared. You can do it. Just do it scared. If it's the Lord, just do it scared. And so I joined the choir. And what was, funny, what was funny was we had done a special for Pastor Ronnie before I had joined the choir. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to join the choir, but that is it. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm fine with that. That's perfectly fine. And I'll never forget, Pastor Wayne had come up to me, and at one point he had asked me to join the, um, they used to have a four-point point team type of thing, and he asked me about joining it, and everything in me was screaming, no. Don't do it. You're going to get close to people and they're going to hurt you. you. You're questioning your gifts. You're questioning your ability. Now, you got to remember, I hadn't sung a Christian song in 10 years. It'd been a long time. I hadn't lived a, you know ungodly life because I didn't want to do that because of my heart for the Lord. But the thought of doing that again was very, very painful. And God is so amazing because he told me to sow in a good field and this is a good field, and it's a healthy field. And when you sow in the field, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I'm going to heal not just part of the hurt, Tammy, but I'm going to heal all of the hurt. And let me just tell you something. I started getting involved with the praise team here and the people on the team here, and God did just that. At one point, one of the guys on the praise team at the time, his name was Ron, it, I was probably... I only sang a couple Sundays, which, by the way, was a very scary thing because I didn't know all the songs. So I would come in praying to God they were easy to learn because I would know the ones we practiced, but anything out of the hat, I'd have no idea. So I'm like, Jesus, I really need your help. I know Jimena knows how this, this, this feels probably right now. But I'm like, Jesus, I need your help. But what was so cool is we were at a practice one night and Ron turned to me and he said, why aren't you singing like you're supposed to? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? He doesn't know me. And he said, you have way more soul in you. And you have way more about you, and you're holding back. You're not being yourself. Why aren't you not being yourself? And he was right. I wasn't. But I was scared to be myself. I didn't know what that was going to mean. Well, it was so sweet. He would not leave me alone about it. And then my very good friend Dawn pulls a fast one on me, and there was a song that was going to start, and I was perfectly fine with not singing lead. She hands me the microphone and walks off the stage and goes to the bathroom. So I had no, I had no, there was nothing else I could do but just to start to sing. But I share that in saying, the body healed what parts of the body had undone earlier. And the girl who grew up in a family ministry that would go and help bring restoration actually was restored. And when Pastor Ronnie had that message about being a part of a body, He's right. There is nothing like it. Yes, people are going to be people, 
But that's anywhere you go, whether you're at work or whether you're in a church, is totally irrelevant. What's amazing to me is how members of this body spoke into my life and still are. And even tonight, when I was getting ready for stuff, I thought it was so sweet because I'm like, God, we were at a conference last week and the body was ministering to the body so much, you know, Melanie had made a comment. She's like, oh my gosh, we're not being ministered to by the big, you know, the, the pastors or the speakers. It was the body doing it. And when she said those words, it so went right through me because I hadn't realized until that moment last week how God used the body to heal, to heal my hurts. And Michael Fraser, are you in here? Really quickly, I know it's a little late. Do you mind if I still share the song? The most amazing thing to me, y'all, is through all of the course of your life, he comes when you call, even in the hardest places, even in the hurts, no matter what you walk through and go through, and the tenderness of the Lord to draw those 10 years and then to keep drawing and keep drawing and bring us to a safe place where we could grow and where God could do amazing things. I just, I look back and I go, why, why, why would you care so much about little me? Why would it bother? Why would you care to orchestrate everything that you did to give me a pastor in music that would speak into my life? In essence, say, not only can you sing, but I want to pull out everything God pulls it, it has put in you. I want to pull it out of you. Or a, or a pastor that literally is said, literally, I don't know how many times I've heard him say it. If you go to him and you tell Pastor Ronnie something's on your heart, he's like, okay. I mean, you don't get a no or there's five steps to something. No, he encourages the dream of your heart. And I'm not just bragging on this church, even though I am bragging on this church. God's doing it all over the place. But I think there's more. I know there's more. And in Barbie's office, she had talked about when she was praying for, over me for tonight, she said, and God, continue, something to the effect of continue what you're restoring in her. And that's exactly how I feel. And I feel there are people here tonight that if you're carrying, whether it's hurts from your past, sometimes we build boxes around things we don't know we have built boxes around. God wants to take all of those. And he wants to restore it. Even if it's words spoken to you by a parent or someone that didn't know what they were doing and they called you something or told you something that's not true, that's negative, yes, you are beautiful. Yes, you are wonderful. And yes, you are smart. You're amazing. God's chosen you. I think God wants to tap those places tonight and touch those wounds and heal them. Because as a daddy, I got to tell you, he doesn't see that. He sees the wonderful you that you are. And I have even better news. He doesn't see the sin anymore. When you call his name and you say, Jesus, come and help me, just like with my dad. Guess what? All of that's gone. And you know what's even better? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, to, to work at it. You don't have to uh, make it happen. His love just comes and it just completely surrounds you. That's how much. That's how much he cares. That's how much he loves you. So as I sing this song tonight, this song was written out of a place in my heart 
where I had lost my father. And I didn't understand why. I had prayed all the right prayers. I had fasted. I had done everything I was supposed to do. And I didn't understand why, but I still knew this. When I call you, you come to me. And you come in the moment. And you settle here. And when that happens, it completely changes the atmosphere of everything that I'm thinking and everything that I'm walking through. And I have strength that I didn't know that I had. So as I sing this, I want to open the altars to you. No one needs to come and pray over you or anything like that. If you just want to come to the altar and just say, God, I want to say, Jesus, I just need you. I just need you. Heal any wounds. Heal anything from my past. But even if it's just it's been a long time since you felt that passion and that you felt that wave of God just sweep over your heart, he can do that. And he can do it tonight. Amen. Can we stand? As I sing this, I know you don't know the words. I don't have the words up there, and I did it on purpose. I want you to hear it being sung over you, because he is here in this place.
God, I thank you. And I bless your name. I thank you that you are the restorer. And with you, there is nothing too hard. I ask that you seal any work on any heart tonight, God. I ask that you pour your love over these people, God. Let them see you in whole new ways, God. Let them passionately come running to you again, God, just like a child. Seal this night, oh God. Can you uh, raise your hand really quick? Father God, bless this night again. And I just ask that you protect each and every one as they are on their drive home, God. I thank you, Father, for blessing them. I thank you for watching over them. I thank you for favor over their life. I thank you for being who you are over them. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.